This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories and wisdom. This thing called life can be challenging, and the stories that that are shared demonstrate that no matter what you have gone through, you can choose happiness. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to talk to you about shifting your perspective. This is so important because there are so many things that frustrate us or stress us out. And if we were able to shift our perspective of the situation, we would be so much happier. You see, we all have our own perspective, which is the way we view the world. It's like the lens in which we see things. When we shift our perspective, it changes our perception of life. Our perception is the way we think about or understand someone or something, and it is also what we understand or interpret from our five senses. However, our perception is shaped by our past experiences, feelings, and thoughts. Think of it as looking at the glass half full or half empty. In short, when we change our perspective, it changes our perception, which in turn changes our beliefs and ultimately changes our reality. So change your perspective, change your life. It sounds simple, yet it can be very challenging for some to actually achieve. If you would like to learn more about this topic and how to work with me personally, please visit sandyscarlotta.com to schedule a free 15-minute call with me and to get access to a free digital copy of my book, Happiness Solved. I also invite you to join my growing community by texting me at 703-420-3472 to receive daily inspirational messages. Again, that number is 703-420-3472. Thank you for listening today, and I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Today's guest is Carol Boston, also known as the Queen of Reframe because she can reframe almost any challenge and give you a new way of viewing it and a strategic plan to take you in a new direction. The really cool thing about Carol is that she is a former collegiate and professional tennis player and award-winning sales leader from Fortune 100 companies, has over 27 years of sales leadership experience and an award-winning speaker who turned her love of problem-solving, helping, and inspiring others into a growing and respected business as a business leadership coach and a change agent. This is such a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Carol Boston, I'm so excited to have you here today. How are you? I am excellent. It is great to be here. It's been a while since I've seen you. I know. You look great. Thank you. Oh, and I see you've got your cover of your magazine back there. I love that. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that was the um, holiday issue, the November, December issue. I was on the cover of Life Coaching Today magazine. Yes. And it's got a, I was really quite shocked. The the spread, the articles, like six, seven, eight pages with all kind of pictures. I was really quite amazed. It was incredible. And I was like, so I'm like, I know her. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize you read the article. Yeah, of course. Of course. Oh my gosh. It was incredible. It was incredible. All right. So Carol, I always like to know 
you know, everybody has a story. I want to hear your story. I mean, I kind of know some of your story, but I want to hear your story. Tell our listeners all about it because you, you're really incredible. Oh, my goodness. I'm an ex-collegiate professional tennis player who then spent 26 years as a successful sales expert for Fortune 100 companies. And then God completely put me on a different path. But let's go back, right? Because I'm a business leadership coach. And you know how we can connect the dots when we look backwards? I realized that back in 1971, now this is the Deep South. Now in the Deep South, there are rules, both spoken and unspoken about how little girls are supposed to behave. But I was raised between two brothers, very competitive, and I knew how to play football, baseball, and basketball. <laughs> and so we moved to a bigger town, Shreveport, Louisiana, and I was the first girl to play little league hardball with the boys. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know I was breaking barriers. My mother was not happy. But I had my dad on the sidelines going, that's my girl. You go, Carol, right? <laughs> and then I guess my next foray, foray into leadership. Now, my dad's going to be 91 years old in May. And he has a great long-term memory. Incredible. And he swears that this is still true. I haven't looked it up. I'm just going to, if it's wrong, you can blame my dad. But I became the first female student council president in the history of my junior high school. And he swears that I'm still the only one. Is that amazing? I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's true. But there's well, been three pivotal... Go ahead. No, well, I was just going to say in the in the Deep South, I don't know how things have changed down there because I, I do know that it's a little different down there. It, it is definitely different down there. And it's, I guess part of the challenge is a lot of the rules are unspoken. Yeah. You're just supposed to know. Right? Yeah. I grew up in a family. My parents did that to me often. You should just know. Well, how is that, right? I'm not God. You didn't tell me. That's a challenge. I mean, it's one of the things I really work with my clients on. Number one is to take that word should and shouldn't out of your vocabulary. Right. And anytime we should or shouldn't ourselves or anybody else, I call it we're doing a make wrong, right? Because if I tell you you should and you choose not to, I'm going to make you wrong. I'm going to say I told you so, right? And so, and we do that to ourselves often. But there I was in... Um, I was 15 years old. Actually, I was 13. And my dad said, let's go play tennis. And I said, what's that? I told you I knew football, baseball, and basketball. And he said, uh, oh, it's a lot like swinging a baseball bat. You can do this. So I said, okay. And it wasn't anything like swinging a baseball bat. <laughs> As a matter of fact, after 30 minutes, I walked up and put the racket down in, the, uh, in front of the net by my dad. And I said, don't you ever ask me to do this again. You brought me out here to embarrass me because it did not come natural. Wow. Fast forward two years. Fast forward two years, and I noticed that my peers on the swim team, in between swim team practices, would go down and play tennis. So, what do you think happened? <laughs> my competitive nature came up, and it said, "Well, if they can do it, I can do it." But we didn't have any money for private lessons. I had an old—if you remember—I'm going to date myself—an old John McEnroe Dunlop wooden racket. Oh yeah. Right? So what I would do is I would go sit on the sidelines. And I would listen to the pro teach the other kids because I knew my mind was a sponge. And if I could just listen enough, I would learn. Another thing I did, and I, I actually use this as an analogy for, for business for my clients. And when I talk, is that I got the kids who were better than me to play with me, right? You want to be in the game with people that are better than you. You want to surround yourself with people that are better than you because then you get better. And so that's what I did. And guess what? I actually made the high school team. And I played number six. Only six people get to play. 
But I got blessed again because the other five girls all came from money. They'd been playing since they were five, and I started at 15. And they had, a, they had the same private coach at the Piermont Oaks uh, Tennis Club, Jerry Montgomery. Now, not only did it get to, I get to play with them, and they were so much better, Jerry took a liking to me. So he'd call me up sometimes and he'd say, hey, Carol, I'm going to be working on Lawrence forehand. You want to come return forehands? I'm like, yeah, I get to go to the, to me, the country club is a big deal, right? Because we weren't raised with money. But I would listen to what he taught her and I would get to practice. That's so brilliant of, for you and for him. Yes, totally. And so at the end of my junior year, my dad, who's very Southern, looked at me and he said, now, Carol, you need to get a job or you better get an academic scholarship because I can't send you to college. He had a heavy accent, right? (laughs) And I said, but dad, I'm going to get a tennis scholarship. He paused. He looked down his nose at me. He said, like I said, young lady, get a job or get an academic scholarship. (laughs) Now think about how that ties into us as entrepreneurs. Oftentimes, the very people that are closest to us, that we we think are going to support us and cheer us on, are the very people that don't, for whatever reason, right? They can be scared, whatever it is. But one man had a vision for me that I could get a tennis scholarship. Here's one writer downer for your audience. Trust in someone else's vision for you until you can believe it for yourself. There you go. It's happened three pivotal times in my life. It's how I got this tennis scholarship I'm going to tell you about. It's how I got from Louisiana to Florida for my sales career. And it's how I became a professional speaker. All because somebody else had a vision for me. So at the end of my senior year, I got three full offers. They were to schools that I did not want to go to. I was determined I was going to be, are you ready? An LSU Tiger. (laughs) after all these years, I still have the cups. That's where my doubles partner was going. And that's where I wanted to go. So I got a half ride, a half offer there. And I took out a student loan and off I went. Guess what? I played number six again. Yay. I'm on the team. Had my first year. And then that summer, the rest of the team took the summer off to rest. I went on the 21 and under tour. Now this is back in the day when it was okay to hitchhike. (laughs) Thank goodness. Right. It was much safer back then because I didn't have any money. And I would hitchhike to these tournaments that were on the 21 and under tour. And as long as you performed well enough to stay in the top 16 seeds, you got free housing. So that was awesome. Free housing on the road. Yeah, it was incredible. I remember staying in this house one time in Atlantic City on, I mean, right off the boardwalk. Three-story house. This other lady was staying with me. We had the, the bedroom on the third floor. What an experience. We came home from a dinner one night and the kitchen was a total wreck. We're looking around going, there's no kids here. There's only adults here. What's They had had a food fight. These adults had been drinking and had a food fight. (laughs) And I'm like, not even 20 years old going, what is going? These are adults, right? (laughs) But we we had a great, great time. Great experience. I got to practice with people who are really, really good. And I came back in August. And we had tryouts, same girls on the team with one new player from Canada. And I went from playing number six to number two. Of course you did, because you practiced all summer and you were playing with people that were better than you. Exactly. And that's that's one of the things I teach on is that sometimes you have to practice when everybody else is resting. It doesn't mean you're a workaholic. Right. 
but we take those opportunities. And then by the end of that semester, I had gone from number two to number one. Nice. And I played I played number one for LSU for three years and was was team captain for three years. Oh my gosh, that's incredible! Yeah. Wow. Yep. Great, great, great time. It was just really awesome. That's incredible. And, yep. So before you go to your your second pivot, sure. Um, at the time of this taping, U.S. Olympics are on. I was staying with my mom the other night and they were talking about the women's hockey team. And I looked at my mom and I go, do you remember it was sometime between the age of five and seven? I wanted to play ice hockey because my, my two older brothers played, my father coached it. And my father looked at me and was like, girls don't play ice hockey. And I looked at my mom, I go, I knew what I was doing. This, <laughs> this was probably 1970, 1970, 71, 72, something like that. Yep. I wanted to play ice hockey and I look at it now and I'm like, mom, I would have been on that Olympic team. <laughs> I was like, darn it. <laughs> and then of course, I've told you this before. I wish somebody had handed me a tennis racket when I was yeah. a teenager because I would have been such a great tennis player because when I started playing tennis at the age of 50 and I was pretty darn good. Yeah. A little bit past my time. <laughs> I don't think they have many pro tournaments for that age group. <laughs> they don't, but did you hear? Um, there was a whole story where I, I didn't see it on the tennis channel, but my luckily my husband paused it for me and, and we were able to rewind and watch it. But there's a woman who at the age of 69 played in a professional tournament, tennis tournament, and she's still... She still does wow. play in some professional ones. She doesn't win, but she doesn't care. She's still good enough to qualify. Do you remember her name? No, I don't, but you could probably Google it. Because uh, yeah, because I, I would she made, Google it. She made national news wow. at one point. Good for her. And then I was like, ooh. And my husband's like, okay, just slow down because, you know, you're not in shape. <laughs> Not yet, but I could be bad. I, I am so <laughs> overly confident when it comes to athletics. It's it's not a good thing because I, I'm not 19 anymore. <laughs> that's okay. That's awesome that you still have that spirit and that you're still courageous. I love that. Yeah. All right. All right. So go on. Your pivoting, um, second pivoting moment. Yeah. Second pivoting moment is I had... Um, graduated college, had gotten married, married the man I was supposed to marry. Um, that didn't work out. And so I was going through a divorce. I knew I didn't want to be a tennis teaching professional my entire life. My background degree was criminal law. I forewent, for forego, for law school, what's the word? Because I was married. That's a long story. And um, my car caught on fire and the insurance company wouldn't pay for it. What do you think I did? I called my dad. He'd been in the insurance business for 30 something years. I'm like, dad, you know, he said to me, now, Carol, you know, I don't do that kind of insurance, but if you come home, I got somebody who'll give, get you a car, even if you don't have a job. Okay. So off I went to Shreveport, got a, my first brand new car, Toyota Celica stick. Remember those little sports Oh cars? yeah. Oh yeah. And I went over to Dallas and I lived with my cousin. She was head of personnel for Neiman Marcus. And she taught me how to buy the Navy suit and the pearls and the heels. Now, what was important about this time in 87 is that the U.S. government had just broken up AT&T and all of the baby bills. So competition in the long distance market was fierce. And I got hired by a company called Metromedia Communications. And the lady said, will you come in 
tomorrow and meet my boss, the vice president. So I said, sure. Go back in the next day. She interviews me. She kind of looks me up and down. She says, great. I'll see you in Miami in a week. I said, no, you won't. Now, mind you, I need a job. I said, I'm interviewing in Dallas. My friends from the tennis tour are in Dallas. You have an office in Dallas and my family's three and a half hours away. I'm working in Dallas, right? Pretty ballsy. <laughs> she calmly looked me up and down again. And she said, but I need somebody really strong in Miami in a week. And I pushed back again. I'm like, how do you know I'm strong? I've never done this before. You're talking yourself out of a job. <laughs> and here's what she said, folks. She said, trust me and be there in a week. And so I did. Wow. Didn't know, didn't know anybody, didn't know anything about sales, didn't know anything about telecommunications. Packed up my car and I went. And that led me to a very successful 26-year sales career for Fortune 100 companies. Wow. Wow. Because once again, I trusted in someone else's vision. And I think that's one of the things you and I do for our clients, right? We hold the vision for them. Mm -hmm. It's really important that you have someone that can do that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there I was in the summer of 2014. I could do this in my sleep, right? I'd sold over $70 million in revenue. Wow. And I got a call, got a call one day. And they told me they were cutting my territory by 80%. And I'm like, 80%? I've been building this territory for six and a half years. Now, a friend of mine whispered in my ear, but I loved large corporate structure. I was a weird salesperson. I'm a rule follower and I love structure. Not true for most corporate salespeople. But a friend of mine whispered in my ear about an opportunity at a small company. So I don't know what I don't know. And off I went. After two interviews, they gave me the job, doubled my base salary plus commissions, and they gave me a director title, right? I thought I could just see the potential. So I negotiated a vacation up front in my contract because I'd already paid for it. So there I was six weeks into the job on vacation, doing what I thought at the time was being a good employee. I was staying in touch with my boss, the CEO. I do not advocate <laughs> that for my clients anymore, but what does Maya Angelou tell us? When we learn better, we do better. Yep. So I got this email and it asked me my opinion on something. So I replied right back and I waited because he usually replies and he didn't. 12 hours later, Sandy, we come in from dinner and drinks. Ding. There goes my phone. Carol Boston, you've got mail. And here's what it said. It said, Carol, comma, that's what you really think. And it had five question marks behind it. Then it said, do not come into this office on Monday. When your vacation is over, you're done here. It's like, What? I don't get fired. I just got fired. I just got fired in an email. Oh <laughs> like <my gosh>. seriously. <laughs> when I came back to Florida and honestly, one of the key things I help my clients with now is advocating for themselves because I didn't do it for myself back in 2014. In my mind, Florida's just an at will state. I figured they could fire you without cause, but I came back and I had an interview the very next day interviewed all over this country. Some companies flew me out three and four times. Wow. To cricket, to crickets. I thought how ironic that I could sell $70 million worth of business for somebody else. And I cannot close one deal to get a job. So faith is my foundation. That's where I go. And there I was in my prayer time. And honestly, I was, I was kind of yelling at God. And I'm like, look, yeah. you made me, you know, I'm not cut out to be an entrepreneur. I do not want to own my own business. You got to help me find a good job. Literally two, two weeks to the day from that prayer. Out of the blue, 
I get an email from a woman that I met one time out of town at a conference. And guess what she did? She gifted me a $3,500 ticket. I met this woman one time to go to Los Angeles to study at Guerrilla Business School. So I say, my God has a sense of humor, right? Because that's a foundational school for entrepreneurs. And off I went. Because <laughs> what I was doing certainly was not working. I mean, I I looked for a job so long. You know, I've told you, I think, before that my next book's going to be called You Can't Read the Label When You're Inside a Jar. Mm-hmm. And we're all in a jar. I was in my jar. All right. I could see is that I was a buttoned up corporate sales professional. But I went off to California. Right? So... Not only is that where I got my book title, but one of the things I was introduced to that amazed me was empowering questions, how to truly craft empowering questions. And so I was determined to master them. I've been working now for seven years, almost since yeah, May of 2015 to master them. And I studied with some of the best, you know, Michael Strasner, John Maxwell, Nurka, Lisa Nichols. And yet, what did I do? I stayed in resistance. Fast forward from 2000, May of 15 to the fall of 2017, I had two coaching certifications, but I was doing what? Still holding on to three products and services, trying to sell them into corporate America until I learned something very powerful, that there's a big difference between being committed to something and being convicted, right? Because people decommit every day, don't they? They say, I'm committed to this marriage for life. Until the day I'm not. (laughs) But when you're convicted, you will not rest until you get it done. And you understand that your comfort and your convenience and your conviction don't live on the same block. Mm. They're not even in the same zip code. And I learned you only grow outside of your comfort zone. I got to get uncomfortable. And I let go of all three of those products and services. And January of 2018, four years ago, I became all in to being a coach. Nice. Nice. So what type of clients do you work with now? I work with entrepreneurs. They've typically been in business at least a year. I mean, I've had a couple that were brand new startups, but I really like they've been in business a a year or two. They've made a little bit of money and they are just stuck. They they don't know what to do next. They typically don't think they can do it, right? Mindset. I do a lot of mindset work. Um, They don't know if they're good enough. They don't know. They just don't know how to do it and they get stuck. And so I'm, I'm a business leadership coach. And it's funny, when I first started, I called myself an executive leadership coach. And you know what would happen? People would run away from me going, oh, you must be too expensive for me. Oh. Because <laughs> of that word executive, right? So I dropped executive and I called myself a leadership coach. And in our world, you and I both know that our clients will tell us who we are, right? Yeah. They will tell us. And so, I don't know, a year or so later... I started noticing that my clients would introduce me to other people. You got to meet Carol, my amazing business coach. I'm not a business coach. I'm a leadership coach. I even spent a lot of money to go out to Beverly Hills to a private mastermind with Suzanne Evans. You probably know Suzanne, Um, you know, multimillionaire in our lane. Been doing this a long time. And I came back and there was a lady on my team named Lori who helped me with my workshops and my speeches. And I told her, I said, Lori, listen, Either I don't know how to explain myself or Suzanne just doesn't get me. She said, what do you mean? I said, Suzanne says I'm a business coach. (laughs) (laughs) And we we stay in resistance, right? Because we attach meaning to things. But what she helped me see is that all the leadership principles and habits and everything I was getting my clients to adopt, all they could see 
and have a quick sip of water. All they could see is that they were doubling and tripling the income in their business. Well, there you go. And then that's, that's perfect. Right? Yeah. Sell them what they want and give them what they need. Yeah. I've been told. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is that most entrepreneurs aren't succeeding because of their mindset. So when you start shifting their mindset, everything else falls into place. Exactly. And that's why I love empowering questions. Um, I spoke in front of hundreds of coaches last summer. Nice. Not a single one of them knew how to craft an empowering question. They were blown away. And I always start, and I'll give this to your audience, an empowering question never, ever, ever starts with the word why. Never. Why brings in defensiveness, which brings in the ego, you know this, which brings in emotions. And when emotions go up, intelligence goes down. It's true for every human being. Think about it. Yeah. And I I typically um, tell a quick story about that that really solidifies that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how much time we have. Absolutely. Go for it. Tell a story. So back when I was in seventh grade, um, I came home with my report card and I had five A's and a B. I couldn't wait till my dad came home. Gave him my report card. He looked at me and he said, why'd you get a B? What do you think I did? I got defensive. Right. I said, but dang, dad, I got five A's. And he said, that is not what I asked you. Why'd you get a B? So then I used my brother as my defense and my older brother. I go, but David got two C's and a D. (laughs) Here's what my dad said to me. And we expect a lot more out of you, young lady. (laughs) Now, how I heard that as a child is that I had to be perfect to earn love. Mm. It impacted every area of my life, overgiving in relationships, not getting my needs met, over-delivering, workaholism, earn, trying to earn love until I became the queen of reframe and I was able to reframe that story. But I want you to think about this. If my dad had known, I probably wouldn't be here in front of you today, but if my dad had known how to ask an empowering question, what if he had said this to me, Sandy? What if he'd said, Carol, what one thing, because they're specific and time-bound, what one thing could you do differently next semester to improve upon that grade? Do you think we'd had a different conversation? Yeah. Yeah, you would have. My whole life could have been different. I actually have some people asking me to put together, whether it's a workshop, a masterclass or whatever for parents. One of my previous recent clients says, I keep telling my husband, stop asking the kids why. (laughs) Right. And And I have so many parents say to me, but yeah, our, our children ask us why all the time over and over. I said, that's right. Because they don't know how to articulate the right question to get the answer they really want. Right. Right. Wow. And uh, that's, how I beca- that's how I became known as the queen of reframe. I love that. The queen of reframe. And you gave yeah. an example of an empowering question. So that's really yeah. great. Right. Yeah. And I not only you know, teach and train on them. Like in 2019, I was hired six times by American Express, believe it or not, to come in and teach and train. And in every one of them, there was empowering questions. One of them was actually a deep dive. It was the second time in front of their HR team about how to craft empowering questions around values and objectives, right? And so I, um, I absolutely love doing that. And I'll, I'll give your audience the most powerful of all empowering questions. It's a writer downer. What else is possible today? What else is possible? Because empower- empowering questions... They cause you to ponder. They open up doors. They cause you to wonder. I say they create Oprah aha moments, right? But 
from a business perspective, especially for my clients who don't want to be salesy and they hate sales, right? You, you can't have a business if you're not in sales. So empowering questions allow you to get other people on the same page as you more quickly and with less resistance. And they do something really powerful. They take the emotion out of the conversation. Yeah, that's exactly it. Right. And that's what you want. You want to get that exactly. emotion out of there. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. Wow. This has been such an amazing conversation. And I want to know what, what was the best advice that you've ever received? Oh man. Done is better than perfect. Get into action and do it anyway and figure it out because a mentor of mine back in 2007, Keith Cunningham, great man. He wrote the book, Keys to the Vault. Brilliant guy. He said, indecision will cost you way more than a poor decision every single day. Yes. Right. I love that. So that's, that's what I would say. Get into action, stay into action. And I think what's really key for us, Sandy, and our, to helping our clients is to take action without judgment. Instead of saying, oh, that sucked or that was terrible, you take a look at, well, this part worked. We're going to celebrate what worked. This part didn't get us the results we wanted. There's no judgment in that. It just didn't get us the results we wanted. So we're going to tweak this. I think it's really powerful to help people get out of judgment because then, oh, man, with all the judgment and the shame and the blame and it's challenging. People get challenged to get out of bed every day, you know? <laughs> yeah, and we don't want that. Oh my gosh. Carol, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience before we wrap up? Like how they can find you or any other advice that you didn't share? Do we have time for one more quick story? Please. Yes. Okay. So during that same time in 2017, when I was learning that I had to give up these three products and services, I'll never forget it was December the 9th and I was at Nova Southeastern University. This was my last attempt to sell these services. Had a long conversation with this lady. I'd met her once before. And she'd asked me about coaching or whatnot. And we're walking back across campus. And she stops and she, there's something about these women that look me up and down, right? So she stops and she looks me up and down and she goes, I know what I'm going to do for you. I said, what? She says, I'm going to hire you. I said, to do what? She said, to speak. I said, to speak? She said, don't give me that bullshit. You're a speaker. And I said, who am I going to speak to? And she said, I'm going to put you in front of 55 or 60 of the top HR people of the top corporations in South Florida. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm in the frying pan. When am I going to be speaking? It's December the 9th. She said, oh, March, maybe April. I thought, oh, I'm in the fire. How long am I speaking for? She said, 90 minutes. I said, 90 minutes? She said, don't give me that. Send me your CV and your fees. I'm thinking, my fees? Somebody's going to pay me to speak? True story. As God would have it, it got pushed back from April to August the 9th. And I was given another opportunity to give a workshop at Kaiser University on August the 2nd. Two different workshops, one week apart. Had never done it before. And the lady who was the decision maker at Kaiser kept giving me a hard time. I want you to listen to this, folks. you got to stand your course. Stay on your course, right? And she'd get, oh, I'm not sure you're right for our audience, blah, blah, blah. So I had to coach her through that. Lori, the lady on my team, said, just don't do it. They're giving you such, uh, such a hard time. No way. I am not going to Nova and getting paid to speak, never having done it before. So I go to Kaiser. I give my workshop. 
off I go the following week to Nova. And I got there about a quarter of seven in the morning. It was a, there was a speaker in front of me. Now, the speaker who was going to be speaking before me, Sandy, written a book on the brain. She's got 15 titles behind her name, all this <laughs> stuff, right? So the first thing, two of my friends went with me. So the first, we walk into the room, and there was this big, booming voice that comes across the room, and it goes, Carol Boston, really loud. And I look up, and the lady who hired me, Tanya, was standing right there, and she looks at him and looks at me, and she goes, you know Carol? You know what he said? He goes, she's the only reason I came here today. I thought, oh, no. <laughs> His name was Barry Johnson. He has an amazing, he could be a pro professional announcer for sports, amazing voice. And he and I had worked together for 10 years in the 90s at AT&T. So I decided I would go up and help the first lady set up, and I did. So she leans into me and she says, so Carol, how long have you been on the circuit? Tennis circuit or, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, what circuit? She goes, the speaking circuit. I started laughing. I go, oh, I'm not supposed to tell you. She goes, what? I said, last Thursday was my first one. Today's my second one. Now, she looked at me either as if I lost my mind or Nova had lost their mind, right, for hiring me. And she went first and poor thing, she, it was terrible. She lost the room. It was, I felt bad for her, completely Aww. lost the room. Yeah. There were people going, can I go take a nap? I mean, it was bad. So when it got close to my turn, I went out, went to the restroom, and I'm stretching. And the lady who hired me comes up and grabs me in my face, standing like this with my shoulders. You are going to increase the energy in the room, aren't you? I'm like, of course I am. I'm just <laughs> concerned, that 90, I'm concerned that 90 minutes isn't long enough for all my content. That's what we want, content. You're not using those damn slides, are you? Nope, no slides for me. Now, here's one of the things, I, my first lesson I learned as a speaker make and take your own time cards. Yeah. The lady who, lady who hired me said she would keep my time and I just, okay. I get started, things are rolling along and she's sitting over on, and she wrote it with a, a regular big pen. I couldn't even read it across the room. So I just kind of chuckled and said, I can't read that. So she tells me 30 minutes and I'm thinking, hmm. So I get everybody busy doing an exercise and I went over, told her, no, 45 minutes. We started 15 minutes late. She goes, oh yeah, yeah, I'll change that. Next thing I know, she's at the back of the room. Things are going along, and she holds up another sign. Now, the whole audience laughs because they know I can't read it. But that's good. Everybody had a chuckle. My best friend was back there filming. And when I said how much time, they both spoke at the same time. And what I thought I heard was three minutes. I said, three minutes? Uh, give me four, and I'll wrap this up. And so I did. And everybody's standing up, clapping, clapping. This woman makes a line around the room and gets in my ear. She goes, I didn't say three minutes. I said 30 minutes. Sit them down and teach them something. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, God, this is awesome, guys. We get more time. We're going to do Q&A. In that 30 minutes, I would tell you, I was so in my element, thoroughly enjoyed it. And three, there was three ladies in the audience. Two had heard me the week before at Kaiser, and one had had me on her radio show. And they all three said to me, you were, you were totally in your element in that last 30 minutes. So it was meant to be, right? Trust in the process. Mm -hmm. And the right people are always in the room. And one of the ladies came up. She's a tall, big German lady. I don't think I've ever seen her smile. I mean, I'm part German. And I smile all the time. <laughs> she's pretty stoic. So she's, she's taller than me. She's looking down at me. She goes, Carol, you were good last week at Kaiser. And then she pauses for a long time. She goes, but you were effing amazing today. And I'm like, oh, good, oh, good. <laughs> a lady walks up to me 
and introduces herself to me, Jackie, VP of HR for American Express. Do you have a business card? And I said, yes, I do. She says, great. I want you to come teach this to my team. And I said, do you have a card? And she said, no, I do not. Now I'm, I'm a salesperson. What do you think the first thing is? I thought, I'll never hear from her again. It's a salesperson's job to follow up. But I quickly reframed that. I said, nope, the right people are always in the room. She came to me once, she'll come again. And sure enough, about a month later, she called me and that turned into six paid keynote training sessions in American Express in 2019. That's incredible. Because I t trusted that woman's vision that I was a speaker. Yeah. And it all comes down to that is trust. Yeah. And yes. we have to trust that everything in life is going to flow perfectly, exactly how it's supposed to. Right. And, and trust me, folks, the right people are always in the room. The lady who hired me for that same event came up and she goes, I'm so sorry, Carol, there were supposed to be 65 people in the room. I said, no, there were supposed to be 53. <laughs> she said, no, 65 signed up. I said, the right people are always in the room. Yeah. And what I find sometimes is when you're teaching and training on something that kind of triggers somebody maybe or rubs them a little bit. What, what's one of the first things they do saying, oh, I wish my husband was here to hear that. No, no, no. It's for you. Right. <laughs> if he was supposed to be hearing it, he'd be here. Right. <laughs> and so you asked me a minute ago, something I could leave your audience with. I would tell them, take the next step. I believe that God only gives us a lamplight for our feet. Take the next step and trust in the process. Mm -hmm. Just take the next step. Stay in action. Love it. Now, how can people find you? Absolutely. Um, you can email me. Carol at carolboston.com. Uh, you can call me 954-616-9024 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My handle is the at sign. It's at T-H-E at the Carol Boston. And for some reason, LinkedIn made me put at the Carol Boston coaching. Um, and that's how you can find me. Uh, there's a, a freebie freebie that I was hoping up today. I don't know when this is going to air, but there's a, there'll be a freebie, a great five empowering questions to really jumpstart your 2022 on my website that's being redone. So if you're listening to this, go sign up and check it out. Powerful questions. Very good. I love it. Carol, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. I couldn't wait for this. We've been talking about this since I <laughs> first met you in October of yeah. 2021. So thank you so thank much. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye. I just love Carol's energy and what a fun conversation that was. You can learn more about Carol on her website, which is www.carolboston.com, and she can be found on social media at Carol Boston. To learn more about me, please visit my website at www.sandyscarlotta.com. So thank you so much for listening today. And if you're enjoying the content, I would love it if you would leave me a review. And as always, I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.